0: Hey there, this is Ian Reed Twist. I'm the pastor at Holy Cross Episcopal Church in Novi, Michigan. Welcome to our inaugural podcast of my sermons. This one was preached on June 2nd, 2019. It was the seventh Sunday of Easter. And the passage was the book of Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 34. So we'll read that first, and then we'll get on to the sermon after that. Thanks for listening. A reading from Acts. One day as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, these men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days, but Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake, so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same same hour of the night he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. So I'll be talking about acts today. <laughs> Do you remember that uh, garment factory in Bangladesh that collapsed a few years back, killing all those workers? I think it was about six years ago, five, six years ago. I want to tell you about a woman who died in that tragedy. Her name was Shahina. She was a 32-year-old single mother of a 20-month-old son and all she wanted to do was to see him and touch him again. That's what she kept telling the rescuers once they had located her, pinned behind a concrete pillar in the collapsed building. Again and again as they worked to free her from that two-foot-high space, she begged them to let her see her child. Then just as they were about to get her out, one of their machines ignited a pile of clothes and they had to retreat from the scene. Originally, Shahina's work in the garment industry had promised her a measure of freedom. It had enabled her to leave a husband who had mistreated her. It had given her a means to earn wages and to be independent. And yet, this work had also caught her up in the rising cost of rent and food in the city. For after 10 years in the industry, she still earned only $100 a month. That's why she went back to work that morning, despite the cracks that had written themselves into the building's concrete walls the day before, despite her brother-in-law's warnings that it wasn't safe. If I don't go to work tomorrow, the New York Times quoted her as saying, I'll be absent and I'll not get paid for the day. They may delay my month's wages, I need to pay the rent, I need to buy milk for my son. And so in many ways despite her freedoms, she was also still enslaved to her (coughs) poverty and to the multinational industry which determined that her life and the lives of over a thousand other garment workers were less important than a lost day of production. 1,000-plus people, so desperate that they died for the daily dollar equivalent of a large coffee at Starbucks. And I'm sorry to say this, but at the other end of that multinational industry stand you and me. People of the first world, people who draw the latest fashions from racks at Macy's or Target or American Eagle or Nordstrom Rack shoes. (laughs) And don't give much thought to the effects that these choices have on human lives half a world away. Yet with all this choice, and with all the competitive pricing that we enjoy, there are ways in which we too are enslaved to the same system that held Shahina in bondage. Here in the land of the free, we buy as a compulsion, because we can't stop. We buy our way into crushing debt. We buy to complete in ourselves what advertisements convince us we are missing. We buy in the honest belief that buying is a freedom and not a conditioned behavioral response to a lifetime of consumer training. All of this makes me think of our passage from Acts today and the profound questions that it asks about who is enslaved. And who is free? On the one hand, you have the slave girl who's like a first century Shahina. This girl matters to her bosses only in so far as her fortune telling makes them money. You'll notice that Paul and Silas get into trouble not for casting the demons out of her per se, but for thereby casting out the very skill that has so enriched her owners. In essence, their exorcism of the girl names her as a human being. She's no longer just an economic robot, but a child of God with dignity and worth. So Paul and Silas are announcing a new way of structuring the world, which challenges not only this girl's enslavement, but the entire system by which some labor for the unjust gain of others. And it becomes clear that the girl is not the only one enslaved to this system for the entire town attacks Paul and Silas for it. Even the magistrates who are supposed to uphold the law have them stripped and beaten and thrown into prison with hardly a hearing. Talk about kill the messenger. So on the one hand, You have the slave owners and the magistrates and the crowd, and at first the slave girl, in bondage to this dehumanizing economic force, the same force that delivers us rock bottom prices for garments produced by Bangladeshi mothers. And on the other hand, you have Paul and Silas, who, as the girl points out, are slaves only to the Most High God and the way of salvation that they proclaim. Physically, Paul and Silas are beaten and imprisoned, but spiritually, being slaves of God brings them a profound freedom to cast the possessing demon from the girl, to sing hymns of praise to God in a prison that cannot contain them, to transform and baptize and liberate the very jailer who supposedly holds them captive. And so the question, my brothers and sisters, is who are we in the story? If the Shahinas of Bangladesh are the slave girls awaiting God's freeing act, who are we? Are we Paul and Silas, who seem to be at the mercy of others but in fact serve the God of liberation? Or are we the slave owners and the magistrates and the crowd who seem to have power but in fact are enslaved to the very exploitation that they visit on others? Or maybe are we a little bit of both? To the degree that we are like those slave owners and the magistrates, how can we become more like the disciples? How can we shift our allegiance from dehumanizing exploitation to common human dignity, from the most low-priced goods to the most high god? These questions don't have easy answers. On the behavioral level, of course, we can demand more information from apparel companies about where and how their clothing is made. We can accept and even seek out slightly higher prices in exchange for fair trade certification, the way we do with coffee. We can agitate on the Facebook pages of companies whose clothes are made in substandard conditions. Consumers already do some of these things, and I believe God calls us to join that. But this work to free the Shahinas of Bangladesh and other developing nations from exploitation also requires our own liberation. Liberation from the desire to buy ever more with ever less. Liberation from shopping driven by impulse rather than need. Liberation from lazy callousness about the origins of our purchases, and liberation from unwillingness to put our money where Jesus' mouth is. We too need the demons cast out and the shackles unfastened and the prison doors flung open. We do. Pray with me. Holy God, just as Paul and Silas, the slave girl and the jailer found freedom in you, liberate us also from the desires that entrap us. Give us the strength and the persistence to challenge the exploitation of others, no matter how convenient that exploitation no matter how difficult that challenge. Make us joyful slaves to your will and help us to build a world that anticipates your kingdom in which wealth is shared and slaves are freed and young Bangladeshi mothers can expect to come home from living wage work every day to see and touch and hold their children. Amen. Okay, well, thanks for listening to this week's message. And uh, you'll find more uh, wherever you found this one on your podcast site. And if you're interested in learning more about me or the church, you can go to our website, which is Holy Cross Novi, N O V I, and it's all one word, dot org. Okay, have a beautiful week.